May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. If you're like many, if not most people who have fibromyalgia, you've likely had many interactions with medical doctors that have had a lot to desire. You may have left feeling not listened to, felt like there's nothing that didn't care about you and there was nothing they could offer. In today's episode, you'll get a chance to listen to me and another doctor who's passionate also about chronic pain and fibromyalgia-related issues. Here's a brief snapshot of what you can expect during the episode. Legitimize and to acknowledge that this illness is actually very real. And I think you just talked about something, Mike, there earlier when you said about the World Health Organization in 2019 actually designated chronic pain in its new ICD-11 classifications, which isn't in, in effect yet, but that it actually legitimized chronic pain as a distinct illness and uh, requiring a very distinct approach. And how I, why I think this is so important is that it does validate that this is a real disease for patients. But I often use the analogy of uh, insulin-dependent diabetes, that, you know, when I see somebody with insulin-dependent diabetes, and if I just hand them over, you know, insulin and syringes and say, see you later, see how you make out, they're going to be overwhelmed. But people are resilient. And this is what's happening in chronic pain populations is they're resilient. They're going to try and figure out what works for them. But sometimes those processes can actually keep them stuck. And now time for the introduction to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I'm author of the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia book, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain, and also narrator for the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia. I am a pediatrician, an internist or internal medicine doctor, board certified also in lifestyle medicine, and a clinical lipidologist. I'm also, more importantly, just passionate about learning more and understanding fibromyalgia and taking that information and wisdom I've learned over the years to help those who are frustrated, want to get answers. I saw a landscape of not the best information, not always the best evidence based information out there for patients, leaving them often confusing. And I wanted to put together a good source, a trusted source, a reliable source to offer information that you can look to for answers, inspiration of hope that you can get better, and also equipping, learning how to put yourself in the best position to not just learn to live and cope but not really get better with fibromyalgia, but to actually conquer, to actually mastering fibromyalgia, to actually reversing the symptoms, even into the levels of those who are unaffected by fibromyalgia. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening again to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I'm going to uh, get a chance to introduce our second guest and our first um, 
medical doctor to be on our podcast and hopefully more to come down the road. Um, she is, she's had an interesting route. She started her medical career going in as a nurse as an RN, and then she decided to go to medical school, working in the emergency department, now also working in outpatient family practice type, as well as uh, working in pain in a pain clinic in Nova Scotia, Canada. So she will have a little bit of an accent, but if you're from Nova Scotia, I have a little bit of Wisconsin accent. So (laughs) you have the accent. (laughs) I have the accent. Oh, so we'll try to make proper English here. We can have, but well, join me in welcoming Dr. Maureen Allen. Thanks Mike for having me. And thanks for reaching out. It's been kind of interesting us trying to connect here. So always interested to talk to someone who's like-minded as I am sometimes around pain. So just a, just a few things actually that I, I can help kind of clarify is that, um, uh, my, my journey did begin as a nurse in, in a rural community uh, in isolation. And um, I just wanted to be able to help patients more. So went back to school, uh, became a medical physician, did a residency in family medicine, um, but very quickly found a complete love for emergency medicine. Um, when I did my certification in eMERGE, I was reached, uh, another colleague of mine reached out and wondered if I'd be interested in getting certified in palliative care. So I said at the time I would, and I think that kind of pulled into my nursing background and uh, developed some expertise uh, through that training. And very quickly, uh, you start to get very complex referrals uh, from clinicians uh, in individuals who are dealing with complex pain. And uh, the traditional flow of these patients often is through palliative care, believe it or not, because oftentimes these patients are on pharmacotherapy that are really not really helping them move forward in their life and are really not that effective uh, in terms of their quality of life. So that's how I ended up in chronic pain, actually, was uh, through that route of palliative care. So I work in a very traditional rural practice, meaning that you get pulled into different areas of healthcare. So I have uh, some expertise in all those areas, but I think it really helps us see the whole person um, and uh, be able to help distinguish, you know, uh, you know, individuals who are living with life-limiting illnesses versus those that are living with chronic pain versus those that are living with acute pain uh, and what might be uh, sort of a beneficial approach to every to those individuals, even though it may be very individual specific. So I don't know if that kind of clarifies that a little bit of that journey. Believe it or not, I also do some um, uh, addiction work, um, but it's mostly around uh, and which which hopefully if we do touch that, it's going to be really important because I think there's a lot of misperceptions around substance use uh, in chronic pain populations that often get mislabeled. Uh, as having a substance use disorder. And uh, so oftentimes I would get referrals from that population as well. But it's a fascinating area for me in terms of uh, individuals that um, are using opioids for the management of pain versus those that have developed substance use disorders through the medical management of pain as well. Um, Because both populations deserve our attention. They deserve a full court press. Um, they deserve the compassion and the empathy that, that we need to provide. So it's a, it's a big bunch there, but I, I hope, 
um, we can kind of pull all that in and uh, maybe have a discussion in a non-judgmental, compassionate way. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. And <laughs> I forgot to mention, Dr. Allen has a podcast of her own called Pain Talks. And and that's yeah. how I actually found Dr. Allen. I thought it'd be neat to have a conversation. And the more we can have talking about evidence-based approach and empathetic mm. approach, caring approach to um, fibromyalgia and chronic pain-related issues, I, I, fibromyalgia and under the umbrella uh, central pain sensitization type disorders that goes from, you know, tension, headaches, migraine, painful periods um, uh, to um, uh, chronic abdominal pain, irritable, lots of that falls under the umbrella um, with, with this and share that common hope. It's interesting, and I don't know how it is in Canada, probably a lot of similar things, but I find here in the United States, there is no... Stay with us. We'll be right back. I want to briefly interrupt the podcast to inform you about the Fibromyalgia Starter Pack, which is now available. If you are new to this podcast, it categorizes the episodes in a way that is more beneficial for those new to fibromyalgia. You can access the link in the show notes to learn more. True, what I would classify as a great fibromyalgia slash chronic pain specialist, at least in the States here, um, many family practice doctors, if they did make the diagnosis, it's very skittish. Um, I think part of the training and I'm an internist and a pediatrician, I'm not trying to talk high about myself, but I love learning, but I think there's not a lot of training in diagnosing, um, and fibromyalgia and related issues. Um, often it's, well, I have to have the specialist make sure that I didn't miss anything because I don't have confidence um, that I made the right diagnosis, let alone if they do make the diagnosis, they don't have the confidence to really manage it well because there's so many other things they have to. And maybe a rheumatologist makes the diagnosis, but they're not really experts in comprehensive holistic care. And the chronic pain, at least in America here, what we often call chronic pain specialists are often anesthesiologists. And many of them are doing like back injections. Um, there's probably a little bit of a financial incentive, and at least in the States here, that you may get uh, paid more instead of taking the long time that it takes to have conversations about a comprehensive approach. Um, but it's, it kind of leaves patients in the lurch of not getting great care and sometimes seeking less evidence-based care and sometimes self-medicating on things that may be, like I say, borderline uh, making bad choices that are on that um, potentially addictive or not getting maladaptive behaviors uh, or things that may offer temporary, but not the best long-term relief. Um, Mm. Is that similar to you in Canada where it's struggle with getting where the training isn't as Good. I don't. And I know we've trained a while ago, probably in our family practice or in general internal medicine, pediatrics. But I, I don't think there's a lot of great training in it. Um, I think there there definitely has been a recognition that education is lacking. And when you think about the, uh, I think it was 1996 that the International Association for the Study of Pain came out with some core competencies uh, for healthcare practitioners around pain. And University of Toronto actually was one of the first institutions that actually developed an interdisciplinary 
or interprofessional uh, core curriculum course uh, for pain. So because pain is a team sport, it should never really be isolated to uh, one particular specialty. Um, the other thing that's happening in Canada, which I think is really good, is that uh, the Canadian Pain Task Force, which began their work probably about five years ago, has really started to look at the gaps and what is actually needed. And for many of us that work in this area, we're really starting to understand that it should never be a top-down kind of approach for pain. It should be a bottom-up because pain is a universal experience to start off with. Chronic pain affects a huge swath of individuals in our life. I mean, if I look at Nova Scotia, which is a province of a million people, we have over 250,000 patients who are living with chronic or persistent pain. And if you're looking at very vulnerable populations like your military, so your veterans or your uh, indigenous communities, that number goes up even higher. And so it is something that all of us that are involved in healthcare uh, need to become better at uh, in order to realize uh, and to acknowledge that this illness is actually very real. And I think you just talked about something, Mike, there earlier when you said about the World Health Organization in 2019 actually designated chronic pain in its new ICD-11 classifications, which isn't in, in effect yet, but that it actually legitimized chronic pain as a distinct illness and uh, requiring a very distinct approach. And how I why I think this is so important is that it does validate that this is a real disease for patients. But I often use the analogy of uh, insulin-dependent diabetes, that, you know, when I see somebody with insulin-dependent diabetes, and if I just hand them over, you know, insulin and syringes and say, see you later, see how you make out, they're going to be overwhelmed. But people are resilient. And this is what's happening in chronic pain populations is they're resilient. They're going to try and figure out what works for them. But sometimes those processes can actually keep them stuck in maladaptive coping rather than I always try and get them to understand, is it something that's helping you in the short term? Or is it something that's helping you in the long term to live your life with purpose and connection, uh, to do the things that you want to do? And um, so if, we, if we're just telling patients with who are presenting with chronic pain to go figure it out, they're gonna try and figure it out. But this is where we need to get up to snuff, just like we have diabetic clinics in Canada. I don't know about you guys, but we have uh, pain self-management programs, which is something I feel very strongly about. And I actually do participate and teach in a multidiscipline pain self-management program in our small rural community. <laughs> yeah. So it is possible, but this is, this is where we do need our specialists. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if you think about cardiovascular disease, we need the interventionists. We need somebody that can do a cardiac cath or can do bypass, but it's not everybody that needs those patients or needs that specialty service, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us need to be able to, uh, to, to listen and validate uh, stories of patients who are living with persistent pain, but also have a skill set that can help them move without flaring up to help them understand the positive and the negative about some of the habits and behaviors that they're using. Um, so it is, to me, it's a, it's a bottom up. And I think for, I know for Canada is that the Canadian pain task force has recognized that. And I'll, I'll share with you uh, what we did in our own emergency department. Cause I think emergency departments are really important in all of this, Mike, if that's okay, if I can just mention yeah. something. Sure. So in Go 2010, ahead. 2010, the value of recognizing the need to integrate how we um, create flow and how we get people to the care that they need that's appropriate with the illness that they have 
emergency rooms can actually serve to be a really important uh, point of, of contact for some patients, especially in Canada. We, a lot of our patients now are really not, they don't have family physicians. I mean, there's still a lot of restructuring that's going. COVID's made everything so much worse. Um, so what we did is developed a, a pain and uh, now it was a pain and addiction strategy um, to help patients connect to the services that they need uh, rather than get them stuck kind of accessing emergency departments and not really moving forward in their life. They might come in with their significant flare-up and get uh, relief of that flare-up, but that became the coping strategy for them. It wasn't really helping them move forward in their life. And it was really, this is the stuff that drove me crazy, is that, you know, we would give patients the tools, meaning that, you know, whatever it took to get their flare-up settled down, and that usually meant parental therapy, you know, medicating the crap out of them so that they would get sedated to get relief, but then send them off on their way. And then we get pissed that they'd come back and expect the same therapy, but that's what we're teaching them. That's how you manage your flare ups. Mm -hmm. So we were keeping them stuck in that maladaptive coping. And um, so, and the most important role that we need to have when we see patients and typically in the emergency department in particular, we're seeing patients coming in with significant flare ups, but unless you examine that patient and lay your hands on them and take that story and listen to what they're telling you, like in terms of their pain story, because they can have something new or a progression of a pre-existing disease that's going on as well. So we need to be able to sort that out. If this turns out to be that chronic pain flare-up, then we need to be able to direct them to the help that they need to manage the flare-up. But if there's something new going on, meaning acute pain, <laughs> new pathology or progression of pre-existing disease, then we need to be able to act on that like we normally should act on that. So I think I, so. we did publish a paper on that. It was, um, it was really, really a framework. Um, and we were able to show in the first year that we implemented that, um, that we were able to get about a 70% reduction in patients actually uh, presenting to the emergency room without putting an ad burden on the, 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 the family physicians in the community. And this is a small community. So we're not looking at huge numbers, um, but patients were actually fast-tracked to the pain clinic. They were fast-tracked to the opiate recovery program. Sorry, somebody just came in there, so you might hear a noise. Um, and, uh, you know, typically in a small community, we know each other. So we were able to work around that, but it was a really important, uh, juncture for our community that it could be a safe space, but it could also be a space that would help to facilitate, uh, patients getting the care that they needed so that they could move forward in their life. Yeah. 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 I know Dr. Daniel Kwa at University of Michigan, who has done a lot of research on fibromyalgia, chronic pain issues. They have a module that is available online for free and it helps give that education conversation getting that components he's done tons of research in there and a lot of the um, understanding I have for fibromyalgia comes from uh, people like him who've dedicated their life to understanding um, central pain and central pain related um, disorders can you talk about um, for patients and from their perspective, we're seeing kind of higher up kind of things. There's a lot of improvement and that's starting with education, like we're trying to do. And hopefully this podcast is for a patient of uh, their loved one. And also for doctors who just want to learn more about understanding. Mm-hmm. I've said in the, uh, the last episode for most probably doctors, when they have somebody who has a chronic pain, non-structural problem, when they see them on their schedule, it's like, oh, Great. What am I, I going to do for them? I have no idea. I, I don't know how to handle these. It's going to be very frustrated. I'm going to be frustrated because I'm impotent in helping them with substantial 
and the patient may feel the doctor didn't help me at all and, and be very, very frustrated. Can you share, because you get to see part of the emergency department is pain. People come not yeah. for their diabetes checkup. Uh, they don't. They come because they fell out of a tree and and maybe are worried they uh, broke their ankle. Um, ton of acute pain, and there's also like you say overlapping chronic pain or chronic pain flare-ups. Can you talk about the understanding that patients have? You can share to help teach what the difference is about acute pain and chronic pain and kind of the science and understanding behind it and how to help differentiate between the two. Because on the surface, it may be the same. There's an alarm going off, but to help differentiate from um, sharing what you know as a doctor, uh, the insight uh, with patients who may be listening. Yeah. So I think the most important thing, though, is that uh, we need to recognize that all pain, regardless of its presentation, is real. So what the patient is experiencing is very real to them. So our job as clinicians is to figure out, is this, especially when we're dealing with uh, complex pain like chronic pain, um, is, so I have, a, I have an approach that I use, but, um, and I can share that with you. But one of the most important things is that I need to listen to the patient's pain story because the mechanism of their pain can be important uh, in terms of helping me understand, is this something that is acute? Is this something that is related to their chronic pain or what I like to think about as chronic pain flare-ups? So I should define actually a chronic pain flare-up because it's really interesting you don't find a lot of literature about chronic pain flare-ups, but I think they're really important. And I think it's often where acute pain and chronic pain gets confused. So by definition, a chronic pain is an increase in that baseline pain that the patient lives with every day that increases over hours or days. And what they'll do is come back to the baseline. So chronic pain flare-ups are really important because the more that that patient is flaring up, the more unpredictable, the more out of control pain becomes until they get to a point where even simple maneuvers can give them significant pain. So what they're feeling is very real, but it doesn't always mean dangerous or bad. And that's where it's really confusing. So listening to their pain story is really important. And then acknowledging the suffering that they're experiencing because it is very real. So that that part of us that needs to come in and say, look, this is really tough. Uh, I can see that. Uh, and then what I want to do is I want to be able to examine them to make sure that there is no new pathology or progression of a pre-existing disease. And that doesn't mean that I also always do a lot of testing. And I think in the U.S. there probably is a ton of testing that's done. Um, there can be a downside to doing too much testing, not only a risk for patient when you look at radiation exposure. And the U.S. has, uh, I think it's something like, um, oh my goodness, I think it's 2% of all malignancies can be linked to CT examinations in the US. There's so much CT scanning that is actually done. So uh, most of these patients um, have had extensive workups, have had extensive consultations. So even prior to seeing them in, when I'm seeing them in the emergency room, I always try and review that information before I actually go into the room. So I have that information there as well. So bringing all that together, it doesn't take a lot of time. I mean, when you're working in eMERGE, uh, you probably, I can go through their medical record in terms of looking what I need to look at in probably, I'd say two, three minutes. It doesn't take a lot because it's all on the computer. And I'm sure it is for you guys as well. Um, so I have that information when I go in. So then I, I am going to examine them just to make sure that there is no new pathology or progression of a pre-existing disease. So those first three steps are super important. Um, a lot of times patients are not, we, we make the mistake 
uh, as healthcare providers that uh, they're looking for drugs, right? They're looking for medication. That's rarely the experience. They're really looking to find out what the hell is going on. First of all, like, why is this pain so intense? And, and what can you do to give me some relief? And it doesn't necessarily also always have to be about, in, uh, about medication. It really can be about information if they're ready to hear the information. So this is the value of having all healthcare providers have some information around chronic pain um, is that what I'll do is sit down with the patient if they're open to that. And you have to be really, because everybody, when we look at um, you know motivation and we look at, at readiness and all those kinds of things that are important, the last thing a patient needs is a physician to kind of bombard them with information when they're not ready to hear it. So I have to be sensitive to that. Uh, so it may be that my focus at that point is just trying to get them relief um, and also helping them find other ways of getting relief. But lots of times patients just feel so reassured, even by examining them, that there's nothing bad that's happening. Uh, and I can show them their vital signs. I try and show them those objective things um, and also start to look at some strategies or look at some tools. We're going to continue the conversation next week with Dr. Maureen Allen. Wanted to... Try to keep the podcast less than 30 minutes, and we have another about a half hour to go next week, so stay tuned for that. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation that Dr. Allen and I have had. Hope you've enjoyed the other podcast. Please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review if you've enjoyed this and share this with others. The goal Dr. Allen and I both have is to help give good information to help those who are struggling with chronic pain gain a deeper understanding of what you're going through.